Good, well, good evening. Glad to see everyone out uh, this evening. There's a little bit of a bigger class than normal on Wednesday nights, but that's a good thing. And uh, glad that you're here with us as we continue our study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. So the second half of Ephesians chapter 5. And, and what that means is we're almost completed uh, going through the book. Uh, there's six chapters, and we've basically been going uh, two chapters, or, yeah, or one chapter for every two weeks, and so uh, we'll have two more classes after this, and then I think it'll be VBS uh, that week, and then we'll switch to something different. Uh, but again, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33 and uh, these are some passages that maybe we're quite familiar with. Uh, a lot of times uh, they might be read uh, at weddings, um, but this is the Christian and marriage. And so Paul is going to kind of uh, turn his attention to uh, husbands and wives and how they should treat one another and also uh, using the church as an analogy as well as uh, how much uh, you know, we should love the church and relaying that back to the relationship of husband and wife. Um, I read this quote today as I was uh, studying this. A marriage is like twirling a baton, turning handsprings, or eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. Right? Uh, that, uh, that, that might um, you know, resonate with, with some, but uh, you know, the marriage is... You know, the oldest institution uh, that we can read about in Scripture, right? We can go all the way back into Genesis chapter 1 to the creation week. And, um, and even in Genesis chapter 2, really there Moses is drilling down even further uh, about uh, the creation of man and woman. And so after creating Adam, God declared in chapter 2, verse 18, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Okay, and then from his side, of course, Lord took, or the Lord took a rib and created the first woman. And that, of course, is, was Eve. Eve, we're told, was made for Adam, and God created her to be Adam's wife. And, and summarizing the importance uh, of this divinely formed marriage, Moses wrote... There in chapter 2, verse 24, he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right? And so the, that term, uh, one flesh, uh, we're going to see that here in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to see it elsewhere uh, throughout the New Testament as, as well. I really like how a preacher summed this up. And, and you know, this is a sermon for another day. Uh, but he said, uh, therefore, you know, again, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And that leave, that's the leaving, the priority of marriage. And then cleaving is the permanence of marriage. And that one flesh is the purpose of marriage. Right. So as we leave father and mother, we cleave to our, our spouse and we come, we come that one flesh. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 19, uh, Jesus was questioned about the permanence of marriage. And, and what did he do? He referred them back to Genesis chapter 2, of course. Uh, he refers them back to Genesis chapter 2. And he says, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Again, Jesus uh, is affirming for us um, his divine stamp of approval on the institution of marriage, as well as the creation account by you know, going back to Genesis uh, chapter 2 uh, when asked about uh, a marriage. And God, of course, created marriage for the benefit of humanity. And so uh, given the, the divine origin and purpose of marriage, it's not surprising to find Scripture discussing issues pertaining to it uh, qu- quite a bit. And, uh, for example, uh, you know, the Bible has much to say about that. Uh, Proverbs, I, I just want to read uh, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verses uh, 15 through 18. Here was uh, Solomon here writes. He says, now at first, when you, when you hear these words, you might think, you know, what, what does this have to do with a marriage? But, but he's going to tell us that towards the end. But in Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 15, Solomon writes, Drink water from your own cistern, and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be yours alone. And not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Right, so, so Solomon here uh, is writing about um, you know, the marriage covenant. Right? And, and even in uh, the book of Hebrews in, in the New Testament, uh, Hebrews 13 verse 4, we're told marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And so... Again, there are many uh, important scriptures that we can go to uh, that, that talk about this marriage covenant, the marriage relationship. But Ephesians chapter 5 is probably one of the best and most well-known that, that we can use uh, to study uh, for the relationship between husband and wife. Uh, even uh, before we get into Ephesians, I just wanted to read what Peter had to say about this as well in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter here is writing, and he's not only uh, at first telling the, the, the wives how they uh, should react, but also the husbands. First Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Peter writes, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. You know, P- Peter there is telling the wives that, you know, even though uh, your, your, your husband might not be a believer, still submit to them, still be submissive to them uh, so that they may be won by your behavior. And then later in verse 7, Peter turns his attention to husbands and says, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And so, so we see Peter is giving both the husband and the wife directions on how they are to treat one another. Paul's going to do the same thing here in Ephesians chapter 5 that we will read here in a second. Uh, but, but individuals you know, who choose to marry uh, must realize that God's plan, if followed by both parties... It's going to yield the best results, right? Uh, the, best, the best marriage is a Christian 
marriage, right? Because outside uh, of Christianity, when, when two people come together, it's husband and wife, right? But we, we, the Christian understands that it's not just the husband and wife, you know, the husband and wife, but it's also God, right? And so it's kind of the, if you can imagine a triangle, you got your know, husband and wife and God up here, you know, they're that kind of a connection. And so uh, we need to understand that it's not just about us, uh, but God is part of our marriages. And, and so, again, Paul is going to explain the delicate balance that must exist between husband and wife in these verses. And so gonna give, he's going to give us also uh, a glimpse of the magnificent love Jesus has for his bride, the church. Again, not just about husbands and wives in these passages, but between uh, the, 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 the bride of Christ and Christ. We're going to see these analogies. And so uh, this section extends the following challenge. Right? Hus- husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Right? That, that's the great challenge for husbands. And we'll dive into that a little bit more when we get there. But ultimately, the result is a marriage based on love and respect. And so at the end of this chapter, Paul says in verse 33, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And so uh, let's, let's look at the first few verses in uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 22 through 24, where, where Paul is going to focus on the wives. Okay, so, so this is what Paul writes here. He says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So, uh, you know, if... If you've you know, been with us as we've been studying through Ephesians, you, know, you recall that you know, Paul has challenged the, the readers, his audience, a couple of times in chapter 4. He told them, remember, to walk worthily of the calling of which you were called. And then also in chapter 4, he warned them to you know, not walk as the rest of the, of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And now he turns his attention again to personal conduct. Um, in this section under consideration, Paul's focused, again, on the husbands and the wives, in particular the wives. And he addresses the Christian wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And notice that this exhortation that he's giving to them, it's tied to one's obedience to the Lord. And so what he's saying is saying, wives, just as you are subject to Christ as a Christian, right? just as as, as you know, as a follower of Christ, you are subject or, or submissive to Christ. You are also to be subject to your husbands. Elsewhere in Scripture, uh, we, we see this as well. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, uh, Paul wrote there, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. And so we see that, ch- that, that chain of authority, uh, uh, that Christ is under God, and that man is under Christ, and that woman uh, is under uh, man. And, and that term there, to be submissive or to be subject, simply means to place under. 
Right? So if you think of a, a, you know, a ranking, it just simply means to place under. It's not about value or worth, but it's the role. It's the role which you know, God has given all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And by submitting to her husband's lead, what is she doing? She's following God's plan. Um, this does not imply that submission is mandated because husbands are superior. Right? That's not what is being said here at all. It's simply declared that God's chosen position for wives is to be uh, under um, the husband. Right? Um, it, it's hard when you have, uh, you know, in leadership positions, I guess uh, we should talk about, you know, there has to be someone in charge, right? Uh, in any uh, business or organization, there has to be someone in charge. And so that's what God ha- has chosen the role of man to be is that person who is in charge of the home. Uh, there has to be a leader, right? We can't have multiple leaders. Uh, how does, you know, if you've ever played athletics or, or anything else, you know, sometimes instead of selecting a captain, you might have co-captains, right? And that's, you know, I've been through that before. It's a little tough because, you know, you've got two captains and one might be, you know, better at one aspect of the game than the other. And when people... Uh, have questions or, or they need to, uh, you know, follow up on something, who do they go to? Uh, it's usually one or the other. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's a tough uh, situation. And so, you know, God understands that in a leadership position, right, uh, that, that there needs to be that one leader. And, of course, that role he uh, has given uh, to, the, to the male, to the man uh, in the relationship, so the submission of wives to husbands, has, again, it has nothing to do with worth. Husbands are no more valuable than wives uh, or w- within their standing in God. Men and women have equal status before God, right? Galatians 3.28 says there was neither Jew nor Greek. There was neither male nor female. You know, they are one in Christ. Uh, rather, again, submission has to do everything to do with the different roles God has assigned to the husbands and wives, Wives are to be subject to their husbands and subject to Christ. And again, you know, the world takes that word and really twists it and makes it, you know, sound, uh, it sounds bad. Oh, oh you know, uh, you know I, I don't want to be submissive to, to anyone. But of course, again, that's not how um, this, or that's not what this word means. And we're going to see why here in a little bit uh, as we look at the man's uh, com- the, the commands that, that Paul writes for, for the, the husbands. But again, this is, this is God's plan, okay? And, and you know, we, we understand this a little bit because, you know, if you're a parent, you know, we will take our children uh, to the doctors to get, you know, their shots, and they submit to that because they understand that, you know, their parents believe that that's what's best for them, and... Uh, and so, the, so they'll go through with that, and that's the same thing, you know. Again, as we as we think of this this uh, authority chain, again, God and Jesus is under God, and man under Jesus, and, and then the woman under the man. And so, by declaring the husband to be head of the wife in verse twenty three, Paul is stating the husband's designated position of authority in the marriage relationship. 
Again, this, this does not mean that the husband gets to act as a tyrant or a dictator uh, for those who are in positions of authority. Because right? uh, scripture has a lot to say about that. You know, the, when when uh, Peter is talking about the eldership, you know, so those who are in authority, he, he says, don't lord it over them. Right? Don't lord it over the flock. Um, and so, so we understand, again, that, the, that being in submission does not mean that um, as the husband, that we can act as a dictator, as a tyrant. Again, because wait till we read verse uh, 25 of Ephesians, because we're going to see the, the, quite the weight that the husband has upon his shoulders um, in the relationship. And so... Um, so one commentator I was reading said, a husband who tries to intimidate his wife into submission needs to find out how Christ brought his bride, okay, the church, into submission. He made the church submissive by loving the church and dying for the church. Right? He, he didn't bark out commands, but he, he lived a sacrificial life uh, for the church, for his body. And that's uh, what we are um, being told to do as well. And then in verse 24 that we've read, Again, the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. You know, as we think of the body, you know, the, the brain, that, which is in the head, is, you know, it's in charge of setting things in motion, right? The brain tells what the hands to do. It tells the feet what to do. And we understand that, right? And so um, we understand that, that analogy. And so let's, let's, um, let's focus now on verses 25 through 29 as Paul now is going to turn his attention to the husbands, okay? And, and he gave the wives only three verses, and, and the husbands, they get five verses, right? And so maybe there's a little bit more that, you know, husbands need to understand. Uh, but anyways, Peter, Paul here writes, starting in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Okay, so again, Paul is turning his attention to the husbands now. And rather than just saying, husbands, love your wives, notice he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, husbands are not just supposed to love their wives. They're supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. We think about that. Is that even possible? Is that even possible? You know, that, that's quite a tall order uh, that, that Paul's writing here. Of course, uh, John 15, verse 13, uh, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Right? He laid down his life for his friends. And that's the greatest love. And, and again, when we're talking about the word love here in Ephesians chapter 5, again, this is that word agape. Uh, the Greek word agape, which is an intellectual commitment to the best interests of others. Right? We're, we're showing love because we want what's best for others. 
And, and we can understand that this type of love, it's a selfless love. See, when a, when a man marries, he has to give up his right to focus on his own needs alone. Right? Because now there uh, is someone else that he has to watch over and protect and, and to provide for. It's a sacrificial love. You know, again, uh, it was interesting uh, reading a, a preacher's perspective. He said, what do most homes need? He said two funerals and a wedding. And what he was saying is that, that the wife needs to die to self and the husband needs to die to self. And when they come together in marriage, you know, they're putting each other uh, up above one another. It, it's a sacrificial love. This agape love, it's a sanctifying love. Christ is working to purify and beautify his bride. You know, he, he tells us this in verses uh, 26 and following, that uh, he gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, right? to set her apart, uh, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Right? What, what a great description of the church, the, the glorious church, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And so as the husband leads, as he teaches, as he protects her spiritually, uh, this is that sanctifying type of love. He, he's, putting, he's never putting her in a compromising position. It's also a satisfying type of love. You know, we, we, we as humans, you know, we try to satisfy ourselves every day. You know, when, when we feel like we are hungry, we, we'll have something to eat. When we are thirsty, we'll have a, a drink. If our, our bodies hurt, we will nurse ourselves. And this is the way the husband ought to love his wife. But the problem is, in verses 28 and 29, it says, So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. And the problem is, is that in some marriages, the husband does not see his wife as an extension of his own body, right? Uh, but he, he might rather see her as a possession. And we know that, that uh, when possessions get old, you know, what typically happens is that, um, is that, you know, eventually they'll want something new, right? And so Paul here is saying that we need to see our wives as an extension of our own bodies, Right? We, we want to treat our bodies the same way that we would treat our wives. Also, this agape love, it's a, it's a supreme type of love. The highest of human bonds is, is not between, um, you know, as hard as this might, hear, might sound, you know, it's not between a mother and a child, but it's between a husband and a wife. Right? Because this, these are, we, we never read about this in Scripture that husbands or that why, or mothers would love their children just as Christ also loved the church. But this is a direction given to husbands. Right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And so when we considered uh, what Jesus, Jesus did this very thing when he was willingly went to the cross, and Paul calls for husbands to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. And it's just, it's all the more challenging, right? When we sit back and think, of what Jesus did, the sacrifice that he made, you know, the, the life that he lived. And, and, we and when we think of the role of a husband, and we think of this passage, especially in verse 25 here, of the role of a husband, 
You know, it's a powerful thing. Right? Uh, these verses, you know, before anyone attempts to, uh, you know, get married, they really need to understand these verses. They really need to understand what they are getting into. Uh, you know, I know a lot of preachers, uh, when they um, will sit down with a couple that's engaged and, and, you know, looking to get married, you know, these are the passages you're going to study because you want them to understand that this is the way that you, that you as a husband and you as a wife need to treat each other. You need to know what you're getting into, uh, that it's no longer about you, but it's about protecting and uh, it's about um, not hating um, your, your own body. As he says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it. And we, again, need to understand that we need to treat our wives as we would treat our own bodies. And so... Um, again, Paul's intent in this section is to point husbands to the ultimate model of unselfish leadership. And of course, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, he gave us a powerful glimpse of the church and its great, great worth. Again, you know, this isn't just about husbands and wives, but this is also talking about uh, the great worth of the church. Um, the emphasis here is on Jesus' sacrificial death and the cleansing blood that was shed for humanity. And because of that, the church is holy and without blemish because it has been sanctified and cleansed with the washing of water by the word. Okay, and so a husband who truly loves his wife will seek to care for her in the same manner he would care for his own body. You know, it's the interest in everyone uh, to, um, in everyone's health, right? We all... We all uh, want to, you know, treat our bodies well, and so uh, because of that, the, uh, the, the husband should also treat the wife in the same way. And again, Jesus set forth this as the, the chief uh, example uh, because of his willingness to care for the church. Okay, let, let's look at the last few verses as our time is expiring, starting in verse 30 in Ephesians 5. Paul writes here, "'Because we are members of his body,' For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So, again, as we mentioned when we began, that Paul is closing the discussion on the roles played by the husband and wife by emphasizing this oneness, right? This oneness, it's a sense, there's a sense in which the members of the church are united in the body, right? We are one, uh, as he said there in verse 30, because we are members of his body. So there's that sense that members of, uh, of the church of Christ are, are one, but also there's a sense in which husbands and wives are united in this one flesh relationship of marriage. And again, we, we see this throughout the New Testament. Again, Matthew chapter 19, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and um, understanding that two, that two exists as one or that many individuals exist as a single entity, it's challenging. Right? That's why Paul said there in verse 30, this mystery is great. 
You know, understanding how two become one or how, you know, the, the members of a, a church is the body, is in reference to one. It's, it's a challenge to understand that. The mystery is great. Uh, but Paul focuses and remains on the relationship roles of husbands and wives. And so, again, as he concludes, he says, For this reason, he concluded the section by charging husbands, again, to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands. Right? Um, you know, we, we can understand that, that it is much easier uh, to submit to someone you respect. Right? Again, we think about it in the workplace. You know, our, our bosses, if there's someone who we respect, we look up to, uh, it's much easier to submit to them and, and be submissive. Also, the same way in marriages. Again, the husband is to be the head of the wife. And if the wife respects her husband, she loves her husband, her husband's treating her the way that, that, uh, Jesus, or, excuse me, that God is explaining through Paul here in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, she is going to, it's going to be easy. It's not going to be a challenge. Uh, again, not because he is a dictator, but because he cares for his bride. And so uh, as we kind of conclude uh, this section, the role of both husband and wife are emphasized in Paul's discussion. Um, his focus especially, it's trained on the husbands. And Paul places the burden of this section on the husbands, whose headship must be expressed not in managing his wife, but in meeting, meeting her physical and emotional needs and giving his life for her own, as he said. And if husbands will love and honor their wives as Christ does the church, godly wives will have little difficulty submitting to their husbands. And although this section is primarily uh, about marriage, there's some also wonderful truths about the church that are contained in this passage. And so we don't want to miss those or, or underemphasize those, but we should not miss that Jesus is described in verse 23 as the Savior of the body. Right? Of course, the body, uh, going back to chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, we know is the church. So uh, Jesus is the Savior of the body. Jesus is the Savior of the church. And how, how important is that? And then also, again, I mentioned this earlier, but in verse 27, um, that, that great description uh, that, that, that is given of the church, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Oh, yeah. The church is glorious. The church is glorious. Jesus died for it. And because of that, uh, that she would be holy and blameless. And uh, that, that it might be present, presented to himself in all her glory. Right? And so that's Ephesians uh, chapter 5, the end of chapter 5. I know we have covered a lot of material, but... Um, does anyone have any comments about that? Or I guess we don't have time for comments. But uh, appreciate your attention. And next week we will get into chapter 6 and look forward to that study with you.